suddenly, after two years, we are at the end of the book of Romans. And I, I, say, I say that, and it sounds a little bit funny, but it, it feels that way to me. It feels, on the one hand, like this has been a long journey for two years through the book of Romans. And at the, at the same time, I look at this and go, wait, how are we here already? How did we suddenly arrive at the end of the book? And as I was thinking this week about the changes in New Life Church over the last two years, while we have been preaching through the book of Romans, it is just amazing to me. There are many of you who uh, the, you have come during this series. There are many of you who, who have been impacted by this series. The discussions in life groups uh, about the book of Romans and how it applies to our lives, the way that people have connected with their neighbors and begun to uh, think about and proclaim the gospel in a new way has been wonderful. The way that people have been delighting in God and rejoicing in the gospel and what it means for their lives has been remarkable. Just in, in going so, so slowly through it and looking at the different pieces and thinking about, wow, if the gospel says this, then this must be the impact on me. How on the one hand it, it holds us to such a high standard and at the same time frees us in a way that we've never been freed before. Because we see that the good news of Jesus is that He has done the work. He has borne our pain. He has borne our sin. He's removed it and now we're free in Him. And then to think about all of the ways that, that it impacts our interrelationship with one another and with those that are outside the church is just amazing. And so maybe for you, uh, like me, it's sort of a bittersweet thing as we come to the end of the book of Romans where we're, we're glad to have gone all the way through, but we, I, if you're like me, kind of wish we could start over and just do it again. And I hope that there have been passages significant portions of the book of Romans that have impacted you, that you're going to carry with you. Things that you've been meditating on. But right now, we're going to look at the last several verses. The last 11 verses, starting in Romans uh, chapter 16. And what we're going to see as Paul concludes this letter is that he does three things in these last 11 verses. One, he he punches home his main point. The, the, the purpose for his writing to them, he really just wants to, to push that through and make sure that of the last things he tells them, that they are clinging to that. Then the second thing that he's going to do is he's going to establish or continue to establish the relationship that he and those who are with him have with those in Rome. And then finally, he's going to glorify God and say that all of this, the entire book, the theology, the, the implications, the applications, all of it is going to point to the glory of God. And so let's look at this first section in, in verses uh, 17 to, to uh, 20. He says, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. 
And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He's, he's writing to them and, and he, he's saying, look, I've been talking a lot about unity. I know that there is division in the church. There are challenges here. There's some discrepancy and, and disagreement about how this works. And I want you to be really clear. Don't stray from what I've been teaching you in the Gospel. Do not, do not veer from Jesus. Because there are going to be the people who come alongside, they are going to be the people who, who come by you, and they're going to say stuff that sounds really good. And so you're going to have to be discerning to listen. Don't you wish that uh, people who were trying to be divisive or people who were bringing um, things that weren't true would start off by saying, Hi, I'm divisive and I'm going to tell you lies. <laughs> they never do that. They never do that. They, they never show up and say, um, You know what? Everything that you've heard, I'm going to tell you different than that. Instead, what they do is they take the gospel that you've heard, the things that you've received from the Bible, and they twist it a little bit. They turn it so that it says something just a little bit different than what you have heard before. And they go, oh, they, they say things like, um, so what you've been learning is good, but what I want to help you with is something just a little bit better. Yeah, that, that, those are good Christian things, but, but here's, if you want to be a really good Christian, you would, you would do this instead. I mean, Christians, yes, believe in Jesus. Good Christians don't dance. Some of you are going, oh, I knew it, I was a good Christian. Christians believe in the gospel. Good Christians don't drink alcohol. What? Christians believe the gospel, but good Christians stay away from this and don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. And there's a, this list of things that the good Christians do. And it causes this division, right? Between those who are constrained and those who have freedom in Christ. And they're looking at each other and going, wait, that's not right. And Paul's writing to a church with this kind of division. And he's saying to them, guys, knock it off. Just go back to the Gospel. Just go back to the Gospel. Jesus has called you to be in relationship with God and has said, I will stand in the gap. All of your failures, I will stand in the gap. All of the wrath and punishment that you deserve, I will take that. And now, you are free in Christ. 
Not free to do whatever you want, but free to worship with your entire lives the God who has made this possible. And so he's writing to them and he's saying, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Avoid them. If they are not willing to listen to the gospel and go back to scripture, avoid them and go, you know what? I, I can't do this. I can't do this. We have to be able to say, this is what is true. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Watch out for them. But your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. I just, I want you to be wise as to what is evil and Uh, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You know who's got the smoothest tongue and the greatest deceptions? Satan. The great deceiver. The one who, from the beginning of time, has been whispering lies into our ears. And saying, oh, that's not what God really meant. If God really wanted what was good for you, He would let you do this instead. If you want it to be really good, you should have this. No. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As we're reaching the end of Romans, Paul's just one last time hammering this point home. No divisions. Cling to the Gospel. Remain faithful. No divisions. Cling to the Gospel and remain faithful. And then he he starts to tell them about the people that are with him. He says, "Uh, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do uh, Lucius and Jason and Sosipatar, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus, greet you. Now, he's already written to them that they should greet one another, and he's written to them about those who are, are there with them. Now he's writing to them about the people who are with him and how they are greeting now, how they are connected he said, oh, we're, we're in ministry together over here uh, in Macedonia, probably in Corinth, uh, as the, he's on his way to Jerusalem, right, to bring that, the money that the Macedonians and the Achaeans have uh, collected that's going to be sent to Jerusalem. And, and now he's, he's writing to this church at, at Rome and he's telling them, those of us who are here in Macedonia, we all greet you. And I'm not going to take a lot of time to uh, talk about these people and what's going on, but if you want to read the second half of Acts 19 and the beginning of, of Acts 20, you can see these people, not quite all of them, but most of them, 
as they're having some adventures in Ephesus that are pretty cool and exciting. And then they uh, are on their way to Macedonia. And you can see how um, they're together. And then Paul sends these guys over here while he goes over there with those other guys. And then they all come back together over here. And then they're all apart again. And then they're all back together again. And you see Timothy and uh, Lucius, who probably Luke. Probably this is Luke. So when in the book of Acts you're, you're seeing, uh, he says, and we are doing this. That's Luke writing that. That's probably who this is. And Jason and uh, Sosipater, which um, in the book of Acts is probably Sopater, who's his kinsman. And Tertius and Ga- Gaius and Erastus. And you see all these guys and the things that they're doing. And I'm just going to tell you that it's pretty exciting. And so uh, I would encourage you this afternoon to read Acts 19 and 20 and see some of the adventures that these guys have together. But they're writing together, right? Tertius is, is says, I'm the one that's writing. Paul's been saying all this stuff, but this is, I'm the one that's actually writing it down. I've been scribing it so that you can, can read it. And I, I just want to let you know, I love you too. Because we're in ministry over here, you guys are in ministry... And we just all want to greet you and say uh, how wonderful it is that you're over there doing that. So you have the, these first two parts, right? The, the first part is Paul trying to drive home this main point from the book of Romans that they shouldn't have the division and that they should cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then this connection between him and the people who are in ministry with him and the church at Rome. And then, finally, we're getting into this great glory. This great praise for God. Now to Him who is able to strengthen you, according to my Gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept for long ages, but now has been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, at the very beginning of the book of Romans, at the very opening of this letter, he says something very similar. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, which is concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, that is, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way that he opened the letter. He started the letter, uh, you, you probably don't even remember back that far when we read this and talked about this before. 
But the way that he starts is just grounding in the Gospel and, and saying, look, as I establish who I am, I want you to know I'm Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus. Those are my credentials. I serve Jesus. I've been called to be an apostle and I've been set apart for the Gospel of God. That Gospel, that good news, which was promised beforehand in the prophets, in the Holy Scriptures, which concerned His Son, who's a descendant of David, and declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. If at this point you still don't know who we were talking about, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord. What's so significant about Jesus? Just that all of the Old Testament was pointing forward to this Son of David who would come. This Son of David who would be this great Messiah, the anointed and chosen One who would bring about peace for His people. This One who on Palm Sunday entered into Jerusalem with great pomp and circumstance as all of the people are cheering and reciting from Psalm 118, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. As they are seeing Jesus coming in and they're going, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the guy who's going to come and bring us peace. He's going to be the great King who will reign. Even though Jesus has been telling them over and over again, you know what's going to happen is I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. But they're going, this is going to be the guy. And they were right. He was the guy. They just didn't understand what that meant. It didn't mean He was going to ride in and conquer Jerusalem and drive out the Romans. It meant He was going to come in and He was going to die and then be declared the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead. And so as they're, they're saying, Hosanna, Lord save us we pray. Hosanna. They don't understand that what this means is not a military victory that Jesus is going to lead, but rather Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross that will free them from their sin and reunite them with the great God in heaven. This is the one, the son of David who was de- the son who was descended from David according to the flesh who was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, that is, Jesus Christ our Lord, the One through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. What's the purpose of of Paul and his companions being called to uh, grace and apostleship? It's so that they can go and proclaim the good news about Jesus to everybody and bring about the obedience of faith among all of the nations. That's why Paul's writing to the church at Rome. So that they might hear and understand the Gospel in a way that they can respond appropriately or obey the Gospel for the sake of His name that it would bring glory to His name. So Paul's been writing the entire book of Romans so that they would first be really clear on what the Gospel is. 
and what their connection to the gospel is, and then so that they might understand what those implications are and how they are to relate to one another because of it. What does this mean practically in the way that they live out their lives? He's been writing all of this through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus in Rome. And so if you've been listening in or or reading through the book of Romans, there's a, a part of you probably, I hope, that is looking at this and going, wait, if this is the point, I don't know that I can do that. The whole point, the proclamation of this gospel is that we might respond appropriately, respond in obedience. If I tell my kids, I ask them to do something or I tell them to do something and they don't do it, then I stop and I look at them and I go, did you hear me? Did you hear me? Because either, one, you didn't hear me, in which case I'll repeat myself, or two, you heard me and ignored me, or three, you're just straight disobeying. And I'm not sure if there's a real difference between two or three. And frankly, I'm not real sure if there's a difference between one, two, or three. Because the result is the same. (laughs) Did somebody say death? (laughs) I'm not quite that mean. (laughs) But that's funny. (laughs) But if I say something and I ask you to do it or I tell you to do something, then I expect there will be response. If there's no response then I'm not sure you heard properly. We could have a conversation. You could say, wait a second, is this what you mean? But no response at all? No, that, that's like you didn't really hear. You didn't understand what this meant. And so what he's saying is, I'm writing so that you might... Um, so that it will bring about the obedience of faith. Because faith obeys. Faith responds. There, there isn't a faith that doesn't respond. That's a mishearing. A misunderstanding of what the Gospel is really calling us to because the Gospel demands a response. It demands a response in faith. And we recognize we can't do that. Right? That you can say, hey, look, uh, Travis, because of the gospel, now this is how you must live. You must be compassionate and generous and gracious and loving and kind. And I'm like, time out, you lost me at the first one. I can only do that when I'm at my best. And when you got to number two and number three, I... Not even like most of the time. And by the time you got to four and five, rarely can I do all of those things. If I'm like at my very best, 
and I've just been reading the Bible and I've just been praying and I am determined to clear my schedule and only be gracious and compassionate and loving and kind, then maybe I can do that for a few minutes. But otherwise, I'm not going to be able to do this. I think that's what Paul is expecting us to have. So that when he comes down to the end of the book of Romans, and we're completely overwhelmed by all of the theology and all of the implications and all of the applications that we're thinking of in our mind that will result in our proper obedience in faith, he says this, Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ, amen. You want to know where all of this is going? All of the theology, all of the implications, all of the applications, do you want to know where all of that is going? It's all going to praise God. All of it. When people begin to understand what the gospel means, they cannot help but say, praise God. Praise God. Praise God, I am my sin. Praise God, Satan can no longer deceive me. He no longer has a hold on me. Praise God, His kingdom is coming. Praise God, His will is being done. Praise God, lives are being changed. Praise God, divisions are disappearing and people are being united with one another. Praise God! There's no other place to end but there. Because when we look at all of the theology and we look at the application that we cannot possibly obey appropriately, he says, now this is to him. I just want to say, glory be to him who is able to strengthen you. If in any way you have taken away from the book of Romans that you have to work harder, that's not it. It is God who strengthens you. It is God who strengthens you. The demands are high. You cannot do them. God strengthens you. God strengthens you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. As I think about the things that have been done in New Life Church over the last two years, I don't attribute all of those things to the preaching of the book of Romans. But I think that the preaching of the book of Romans has helped. That as we have been proclaiming the gospel through the book of Romans to one another, both on Sunday mornings and in life groups and throughout the week as we have been discussing it and proclaiming the gospel to one another, it has been making an impact 
so that this church is not the same as it was two years ago. There is a, a, a visible, palpable difference in this church now than there was two years ago. That's the work of Jesus. I could have told you two years ago, I want you to be like this church. And you would have looked at me and gone, as if. I would love to do that, but no. But as the Gospel is working itself out in us, as we meditate on these Scriptures and proclaim them to one another and discuss them and wrestle them through, changes start to happen. Changes start to happen whether you like it or not. And I've seen a couple of you not like it. You didn't like the process of that the gospel was working on you. But I gotta say, the results are pretty fantastic. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. That is, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for so long, but now has been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. This Gospel didn't come up out of nowhere. It didn't originate with Paul writing a letter to the Romans. It had been long-standing. God had had this in mind from the very beginning, and had been proclaiming, this is what I will do, this is what I will do, this is what I will do all throughout the Old Testament, in a way that people didn't quite understand it until it happened, and then they went, Oh! I get it! Even Paul. Paul was like, No, what are you guys doing? Jesus is not the Messiah. This is not how it's going to work. I've been studying the Scriptures, and Jesus said, Hey, Paul. Oh! Who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. The Messiah. Huh! Okay. Let me re-understand all that the Scriptures say then. Yeah! Oh, now this makes sense! And now he's writing to churches and going all over, planting new churches and being missionaries in new places and saying, hey, guess what? We had it wrong. There is a God in heaven who loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you on the cross and that is the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that message is still going out. It's still not something new that we're making up but is built on all that God has revealed over the last several millennia. It's according to the command of the eternal God So that it brings about the obedience of faith. He's strengthening you. He's doing it through the proclamation of His Word and through the proclamation of the Gospel. It will bring about the obedience of faith. Isn't He amazing? He is the only wise God. To Him be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now to Him, to who? 
the only wise God, the one who is able to strengthen you and bring about the obedience of faith, to Him be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. As we were talking, as Pastor Scott and I were talking about trying to finish Romans and do it justice, we talked about a variety of different ways that we could end the book of Romans. Well, we could go chapter by chapter and give the highlights of each piece. We could, we could uh, talk about what's the main point. We could talk about our favorite verses or some of our favorite passages. We could talk about some of the impact that it has in us. But as I was looking at this and as we were talking it through, we recognized that the way that Paul introduces it and the way that he concludes it is that it is all about the glory of God. And so I feel completely inadequate for the task of completing the book of Romans. Because this book has been building piece by piece by piece by piece so that it climaxes right here in this pointing to the grace and the mercy and the glory of God. And I feel like, and so my um, purpose this morning is to lift his name high and I don't think I can reach high enough. I, I don't think that you can have a full enough appreciation in 30 or 35 minutes of me uh, preparing us and then finishing with this conclusion, this doxology. And so I'm just praying, God, would you strengthen us? Would your spirit be at work so that we can remember the things that have happened in the book of Romans and that we can look and point to you and say, isn't our God great? To Him, the one who is able to strengthen us. The one who before, beforehand had prophesied and said Jesus would come. According to that revelation of the mystery that has been kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed, so that it can be made known to all of the nations, that according to the command of the eternal God, the one who said, this is how it will be. I know that there is sin in the world. I know that there is brokenness in the world. I know that Satan is trying to deceive and lead astray, even the elect if it were possible. But let me tell you, this is how it will be. The God who spoke into existence all of creation has said, this is how it will be. I will demonstrate my power. I will demonstrate how great I am. And the way that I will do that is I will take on the form of a man and I will become a servant to all. And I will take on all of the sin. And I will die on the cross to pay for that sin. And then I will rise again from the dead so that anyone who believes in me shall have eternal life and be reunited with God the Father. To that only wise God, the one who could come up with that kind of a plan, the only one who could do that kind of work and that kind of power so that lives are being transformed all over the world from this time all of the way until today. The one who has been proclaiming it to you so that when you believe, He is strengthening you and freeing you from sin. So that you have a hope that is looking toward eternity in Jesus. To Him, 
the one who's able to strengthen you to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And his people said, Amen. All I can do now is pray and let us worship together this great and awesome God.